Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> All right. So tonight, uh, what we're going to be talking about is the curse of the law. The curse of the law. Now, this is one of them subjects I can tell when we get into that it's going to be a lot. You know, there's going to be a lot that people are not going to understand. People are going to try and fight me on. But I'm just hoping and praying that people listen to this, that they really have an understanding that the law itself wasn't just a mosaic law. There are many laws that we try and keep and we believe are going to be beneficial today. and They're not going to bring you any closer to your walk with Christ than you think, okay? We must understand this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to cover many things because there are a lot of people that believe in keeping the Sabbath. I would advise Sabbath Sabbath keepers to actually listen to this one as well. I would um, like to, you know, ask others to get involved in this, you know, and really have an understanding to turn off the TV, turn off all the things that, um, you know, it's going to be distracting and just listen at this time, because you see, there is a real curse concerning the law. And you got a lot of doctrines today trying to throw people back up under the law, trying to tell people if you don't do A, B, C and D, you won't get to E. And we're going to find out if those things are true. We're going to examine them. There's going to be three main books in particular we're going to get in that we're gonna start with and that we're gonna finish, but we want people to have an understanding that there is a curse of the law if you keep the law. Paul makes this clear. You know, um, a lot of people have, um, you know, thought that if you incorporate some things with the law that, you know, I mean, with the spirit, that that's going to work. But as you know, Abraham said, well, not Abraham, Paul says that we are the children of Abraham by faith. Okay, so that's just so important that we recognize that you can go up under the curse if you go outside of of God's faith in dealing with his spirit. All right. I know this may sound a little complex, but I just want people to really get this and really get this down, that nothing can bring you closer to Jesus Christ other than having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to get into. That's what we're going to be talking about. But there is a curse of the law. And you find this with the black Hebrew Israelite movement. You find this with the Seventh-day Adventists. You find this with the Jehovah Witnesses. You find this with the Catholics, the Mormons. You find this with even some Christian churches that believe that church is on a Saturday. I'm not arguing the Sabbath tonight, okay? We know that the original day was Saturday, but what we must understand is it doesn't matter what the devil did and what day he chose. As Christians, we are the church every day. Okay, so we move beyond a little 24-hour period that we worship God on, and we worship God every day. Jesus says he's called us to be kings and priests. And if we go, if Jesus was the last priest after the order of Melchizedek, then we must have an understanding that it's not about the Levitical law. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. Okay, so we're just going to get into all of this, and we're going to make this clear because 
a lot of people are bound by religion. And what you find when many people want to stay up under the law or follow any part of the old Levitical law, what they're really doing. And when I say the law, I don't mean that everything that was done there, the sins that were committed are not true. I mean, when the Bible speaks of sin, those things are absolutely true. But one of the problems you run into, there's no way to keep those laws unless you do what Jesus said. And that's what the whole thing is about. It's about what Jesus tells us to do. So, you know, all, all 613 laws only had to do with two things, loving the Lord thy God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. But, you know, I tried to tell this to a couple of listeners of ours at one point, and their whole mindset was, well, I like to keep all of God's laws personally. And, you know, what I want people to recognize is I will only listen to those who preach on this. Hey, man, if that's what you want, then go for it. Okay. But the bottom line is when people want to keep the law, it's due to their own pride. I'm doing something that you're not. I'm going to make myself righteous by my own righteousness and not following after what Jesus said to do. Okay. And Jesus said it and Paul finished it. And we shouldn't have any problems with this after we discover this. But we're going to tap on every single level of the law and what people think is the law and what people think that they are to obey today because it is detrimental to your soul. The Lord already says what he's going to do to to idolaters. And we must understand that the curse, the law itself, you can be placed under a curse if you try and keep it and not follow Christ. All right. So let's go. uh, Let's pray and let's get right into this thing. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we are partaking in your word, Lord, that we are being edified by your spirit and that your spirit of teaching may come, Lord, and clean things up, Lord, that it may make us whole. And we pray that no man's heart be heard, that no flesh be glorified tonight. And we just pray, Lord, with your spirit that you speak, that people have an understanding, that unless we are following you, that we're just caught up in a yoke of bondage. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We pray, Lord, more than anything, that that religious spirit have no jurisdiction over this teaching, Lord, that it get moved out of the way, that the eyes and the ears, Lord, will hear you, that you may make your throne in our hearts. And we just pray that all these things be done, Lord, for your glory and honor. For you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask that it be done all for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get started. But I really want to be careful how I present this because I want people to really get it and not think that we're sitting here attacking people. But you know, there are a lot of people that are held back in their walks with the Lord. There are a lot of people that the Holy Ghost will not fall on for this simple reason alone is that people have given the law jurisdiction in their lives and we're under a new covenant. 
and we're supposed to be following Christ. And I know what people always say, every time I bring this subject up, they always say, okay, well, so that means just do anything. Just, you know, just don't obey anything then. Just let everybody run wild. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that the Bible wasn't speaking of sins that were around. Yeah, he was speaking about that, okay? But there's a way that we deal with that today that those things may not be in us. If someone's sinning, yes, tell them about their sin. I'll never speak against that. But what I'm saying is a lot of people think that by keeping the law that they are adding onto their righteousness and they're not. You know, we've got to believe as children of God by faith, okay? So I wanna get started. Let's go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, and let's look at verse 35. I know people don't like this, but hey, man, this is what it is. Because I realized, man, when I was trying to keep the law, I realized I frustrated myself as a Christian. I really did. I was sitting there trying to figure out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. And Jesus told you what to do, but it's whether or not you believe it. That's what this whole thing is about. So let's look at Matthew 22 and let's look at verse 35. And look at what it says. It says, and one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, master, which is the great commandment of the law? So he's asking for the greatest of the commandments of the Mosaic law. Okay, that's what he's saying, all right? So if you look at verse 37, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Okay, so you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That means that when it says all your heart, that means that you can't love anything more than God. God has got to be first in your life concerning everything. And then it says, and with thy soul. What is your soul? With your mind, your will, and your emotions. They are all up under God, okay? God tells you what to feel. That's how you feel about it. Because a lot of people's feelings have led them away from loving God. And this is the thing that most sinners will do. When you tell them that God says something, the first thing they'll tell you is, yeah, but how could God be loved? I mean, how could God send people to hell if he was a loving God? You know why you don't understand that? Because you're a sinner. But you see, if you if you partake in what God says and you understand that the Holy Ghost will show you that God is right, then it's easy for you to obey God at that point because you recognize, yeah, everything I did was absolutely wrong. And you know what? God cannot be wrong. God is right. So first he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Nothing above God in your heart. And then when it says all thy soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you love him with your mind. You know that God is right and you love him with your emotions because he governs them. God will tell you what to feel about it. So your mind, your will, and your emotions. When Jesus says, when he commands us to love, you gotta think about that, then love is not a feeling. You see, love is a will. Love is an act of your will. You stop sinning as an act of your will, okay? So when you love God, he governs your will. You may say, man, I enjoy fornicating and women look good, but man, I can't go back to that because God is good to me. So you see, you, you bring your will in subjection to God. And when you have that, 
then you're going to live right for God and do the things that God says. So you see, this first and great commandment is all about God's obedience, to love him with your heart, mind, soul. And if you look in the book of Luke, it even says your strength. So that means that he is your strength. You can do nothing aside from God. So when you love God, when you fulfill the first and great commandment of the law, you will be obedient to God. But there is no way that you can do this aside from having God's spirit. Yes, sir. And two, and this is what a lot of people don't understand and they don't get because they want to say they love somebody in a relationship, but they themselves don't even know what it is. No. They've got love, and I know because I have not pulled them back myself. They got love and lust confused with one another. So it's like you might as well say I lust that person. You don't love them because, like I said, it's not it's not a feeling. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ gave never expecting anything in return, mm -hmm. and we're supposed to give the same thing, but in truth, spirit, and in truth. So if you love somebody in that relationship, we got to have Jesus Christ first because then He shows us. How the love proper them. love, yeah. absolutely, how to love someone. Pastor Price has said this for years, and I agree. He says, you can't tell somebody you love them if you're in sin with them, damning them to hell. There's no way in the world you can do that because you know what you're doing is detrimental to what this person's relationship would be like with the Lord. So it's true. It would be a sort of lust. But when God gets a hold of you, God will teach you how to love the proper way. Because love for God first and love for that person second will say, I can't do that, man, because I see what this is doing to you. This will do to you and do to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is that that's the first and great commandment of the law to love the Lord thy God with your heart, soul, and your mind. So my question is if you love God with your mind, that means you're thinking of God all the time and you're waiting on his instructions. When you love him with your heart, nothing is above you, Lord. And your soul, mind, will, and emotions, come on, man. You know, this tells you right there that if you fulfill this, then you're in good with God and everything else flows. What laws have you need to keep when you love God and he makes known to you what, what situation or what his laws say or what he wants for you? You don't need to keep any laws at that point. Your love for God is what keeps you in good standing with him. So it doesn't mean just love him. It means to also read his word. You read and you understand what God wants. Okay, Lord, no murder, no this, no that. All right, so, you know, let me just make that point. Look at, um, that's the first and great commandment. And Jesus added one. This is verse 39. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So a lot of people got a problem with this because you know, they want to, um, yeah, but there's got to be more to it. See, you got to keep the law, you know, and you can have a relationship with Jesus and then love your neighbor. We're going to even prove why that can't be so. That if you obey these commandments, Jesus says, hang all of the law and the prophets. And you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to go over the law to prove that these are the two commandments that Jesus wanted them to keep. Because I know what people are going to say. Matter of fact, let's go to Matthew 5 first. And if you can't get Exodus 20, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to go to right now. And I'm just going to make this point so we don't even have to deal with this again. And then we're going to get into the teachings of what the Lord wanted and what Paul wanted. Well, Paul was only following Christ. Mm -hmm. Paul had the mind of Christ. And you can't do what the disciples did if you don't fulfill that first and great commandment. 
Because if you love anything more, you're going to draw back from the will of God and everything that God wants you to do. That'll happen by nature because you still want to live. You still got things that you need to do. So anyway, he says, now you guys remember in Matthew 5, this is known as the Beatitudes, where he tells you, you know, um, let's just read a few of them. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is verse three, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And when he's talking about those who will mourn, it ain't just walking around soaking in your feelings. He's talking about those who mourn for the Lord, those who mourn, you know, for the sake of others. And then he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know what he's bringing forward here? The nine fruit of the spirit. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So right away, when your heart is pure, you're going to love God first and foremost and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So then he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So he's telling people here what they need so that they have an understanding. Look at verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you uh, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So the prophets walked in this. The prophets cared for the people. The prophets loved and feared God. So they were able to tell people what they needed to do. Of course, you know, nobody ever listened to them. But the bottom line is they were bringing forth the truth. Now, why am I going here before we go into verse 17? Because these are the laws that Jesus Christ was speaking of. Each one of these is about either loving the Lord or loving your neighbor. Verse 13 says, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men uh, light a candle and put it under bushel, but um, on the candlestick, uh, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So you understand here that all of this stems from loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor. He says, you are the light and salt of the earth. So what the light that God gives us can't be hid. What does that mean? We shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. That means when it comes time to speak of God, our light should be shining, that we're not ashamed of God, that we've given it all over to God. The Lord says this, the Lord says that. It is written in Jesus Christ, you better be saved. Jesus says he's coming back and he's gonna search for a church without spot or wrinkle. That's letting your light shine. That's telling people all that is. When you see people doing wrong, you tell them what Jesus Christ said. So what is that doing? That's loving Christ. And then he says, let your light so shine that the goodness of men or men can see your good works before them. What is that? Loving your neighbor. You understand? Because if you love Christ, 
You're going to tell your neighbors about Christ that they may see Christ. So you see your good works are in loving your neighbor, but first loving your Lord, your God, because he puts the light in you. You shine that light that he is giving you out of love for him and not being ashamed of him. And then you can love your neighbor by telling them what's right so that they are no longer in darkness. So this here is about loving the Lord thy God and loving your neighbor. Now look at verse 17. Think not that I am come to sin. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. So when people read that, they say, see, I told you, we got to keep the old Levitical law with everything else going on. But let's read a little further. He says in verse 18, but verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass, one jot or uh, one chip, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So what does that mean? Uh oh, Derek, you don't went too far now. The Lord said to keep the law. That's not what he's saying. He says not one jot will be taken from the law to all be fulfilled. What fulfillment is he talking about here? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because when he came back, he gave his spirit that they may be like him and not trying to be like him. Aside from the spirit, no man can keep the law. Men did their best. They did what they could. But the Bible makes clear that the law was weak. So he's talking about the fulfillment of why he was sent to give us his spirit that we may have his nature. So this is about a nature. This is not about just the other laws. And, and to prove this point, when God made Adam and Eve, they were good, okay? They didn't need law. Did Adam, Did God tell Adam, thou shalt not commit adultery? Thou shalt not fornicate? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength? They already knew because they were made in the image and likeness of God. Man's problem and laws came to be when Adam fell. Before that, they only had one commandment. You know what it was? Thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but eat from the tree of life, and you can eat from all the other trees in the garden. But from that one, stay clear of it. Why? Because that was the very nature of Satan and man being self-seeking and forgetting about God. He knew that once man did that, man would try and govern himself with laws and not be a part of what God wanted. So Adam and Eve already had the nature of Jesus Christ. They didn't have to try and be all these different things. That's something that we got to understand because Jesus came to return us right back to that state of truly being born again, full of the spirit and being the image of Christ. Adam and Eve were the image of Jesus. They were the image of God. So this is what he's talking about. So anyway, he says in verse 19, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall reach men, I mean, teach men, sorry, teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what, what laws is he talking about? What commandments? The ones that he mentioned in the Beatitudes about blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are this, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is what Jesus is speaking of. But some people are thinking, all right, no, he elevated the law. He did elevate the law, but he didn't elevate it to keep that law. He elevated it to show you that aside from a change in nature and the law being fulfilled, 
There's no way in the world you can obey Jesus. Look at what he says um, in verse, uh, verse 20. He says, for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So that tells you right there, because the Pharisees were law keepers. I'm not going to say they kept all of the law, but I believe many of them did. But he says, unless your righteousness goes beyond those guys, you will in no wise make it into the kingdom. You know what the Pharisees were? They were legalists. They were law keepers. They believed in telling people about the law, but they themselves didn't follow it. And to be honest with you, to some degree, they couldn't follow it. They followed it to the best of their ability, some of them, but then the rest of them didn't even have the nature to be able to follow Jesus. So you see, this is what he's talking about. Now watch this. He says, um, ye have heard that it was said uh, by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now that's the law. That's what man was told in the Old Testament. Why? Because, you know, it was supposed to deter man away from sin. But as you know, that didn't happen. You know, people were killing people, burying people, and nobody even knowing that they murdered them. Why? Because the murder was still in the heart of the individual. But look at what he says in verse 22. But I say unto you that whomsoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And in, in danger of the judgment of what? Murder. You see, you're in danger of the judgment of murdering when you don't love your neighbor. You see what this is about? So this is not about just keeping laws. He's elevating it to say, a lot of you don't like your brother and you're in danger of murder. I mean, murder charges. But the only way that you can ever love your neighbor is to have the spirit of God and do what Jesus Christ says. Okay, I'm gonna prove all of this. So then he says, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry uh, with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, and be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So as you can see, Jesus was saying, you can't even say you love your neighbor aside from loving, I mean, you can't even say you love God aside from loving your neighbor. All right, you got a gift for the Lord, lovely. Now put it down and before you offer it to me, go make it right with your brother and then you come and bring your gift to me. So we can't have unforgiveness in our hearts trying to worship God. You see what I'm saying? So these two laws of Jesus, you see playing out right here, loving the Lord thy God and loving your neighbor. Look at this. He says, agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and the officer be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So God is saying, use his law to deal with people. What is his law? Loving your neighbor. It doesn't mean if your brother is wrong, you don't tell him he's wrong for the sake of love, but this is about loving your neighbor. You know what? Make it right with the person. You know you hit his car. Just go to the man, write a note, tell him you're willing to pay whatever it is. 
why want to get the law involved with it? Because if the law deals with it, now your problems are in the hands of the law, in the hands of man. So whatever way man sees the case going, that's the way it's going to go. And he says, you won't get out of jail until you pay the uttermost farthing. It's best to make it right with your brother in love and just say, hey, if I was wrong, let's just work this out. What do I owe you? You see what I'm saying? That's so much better than going before the Lord. I mean, the Lord, because you get in there and they're going to judge you according to the law. You see? So anyway, he says. The Lord may make it happen. You, it's like, hey, I gave you a chance to make it right with this person. Now you're going to have to exactly you know just work it out so look at verse 27 ye have heard it said by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery now you know that's the sin we did that teaching on sin iniquity and transgression he says but i say unto you when jesus says but i say unto you he elevates himself above the law he is acting as king. You heard what went on back then, but I'm telling you today, what are you saying, Lord? He says, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. Now we know that these are things that man couldn't possibly keep unless he had a change in nature. This is not about the Levitical law. This is about knowing Jesus, being a part of Jesus, allowing him to make his abode in you by giving him, by giving you his spirit that you can walk as he walked. Outside of that, this can't be done. You know, you can say, I'm not going to look. But yeah, but your heart is still saying, man, I want to look, I want to look, I want to look, but I'm not going to look. But that's not changing nothing because then when nobody's around, you'll be you know, you'll be sitting there staring. Why? Because it's your nature. We can only do what's in our nature. Dogs bark by nature. They bury bones by nature. A dog will go out and play in the mud and then run in your house on your carpet, jump on the couch, and his dirty butt smiling and everything, trying to be petted. And you're like, hey, get off my couch. But when a cat comes in the house, a cat by nature will clean himself. Even when a cat uses a litter box, he's He'll take, like, if he had to bury his own, you know, poop, he'll take his paw and rub it on the litter box. Like, I don't even want this on me. A dog will have doo-doo all up. Yeah, a dog will have doo-doo all up in his butt running up on your couch, okay? So, you see, there's a difference in nature. But, you see, dogs bark. Pigs, you know, they love the mud. Sinners sin because sinners, this is what they do by nature. I'm not saying we won't have sins that the Holy Ghost will continue to tell us to remove, but I'm saying overall that, a, that you know everything will do what it does by nature. And that's important that we understand that. And we're gonna go into that. So I just wanted to bring this point forward. This has nothing to do with the Levitical law. This is about a nature. You have to have iniquity expunged from your life to do what Jesus says. This is not, and that's there is no law on this earth that can keep it. Period. People are not gonna like this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're gonna sum this up right here, right now. 
we can put this to bed. People will ask often about dietary laws. You know, I'm not saying that pig is less healthier than anything else. It is. Okay. A doctor will tell you that. I mean, you know, um, you know, some things, shellfish, yeah, they are janitors of the sea. So, you know, they clean up all kinds of waste. If you eat them, you eat them. But what people got to understand is unclean foods and dietary laws represented unclean people. He was trying to sanctify them because they had just come from Egypt. That was symbolic for Gentiles. Remember when Peter um, got the vision and he saw creeping things and birds and all this? And it wasn't for the dietary laws because Peter said, Lord, I eat no unclean food. And the Lord said, Peter, what I call clean, you don't call common, you know, or whatever. Like to let him know, first of all, I'm not even talking about food, but what I call clean, you don't call common. So right after that, you know what happened? Cornelius, remember, came to his house, one of the Gentiles, uh, a Roman soldier that was a part of the Italian band. And he and his family and his men were sanctified because now the gospel was being preached to the Gentile. That's what the whole dietary law thing was about. So it's not what you eat today. I mean, I would advise, you know, God doesn't have a problem with you having a special diet. But some people keep these things because they're still up under the Levitical law. If you are keeping this because you're under the Levitical law, then you're under the law. Okay. But if you call yourself just doing it because you realize, hey, man, this isn't healthy for me. I want to eat this. Now you're free to eat whatever you want. But when you try and do it to keep laws, you go up under a curse because you think by your own righteousness, you're keeping something. And God, I hope that the listeners listen in because. We are going to make this point so clear that if you go back to the law, it's going to be because you want to. Yes, Sarah. And also on that, too, as far as like dietary laws or just dieting to eat healthier. Mm -hmm. One thing everyone has to understand is that it only prolongs the inevitable. Mm -hmm. We're all going to die. So whether you keep the dietary law or don't need to keep the dietary law, you're still going to die. So it's like if you do it, like you said, for health reasons, that's one thing. But if you're doing it because of the law, you're still going to die. It's not going to keep you from death. So we need to have Jesus Christ in order to prevent the second death. Amen. And the only dietary law that the Lord gave us in the New Testament was one, not to have the blood of any animal in your food. Because, you know, the blood travels, the soul travels through the blood. Okay, so we're not supposed to have the blood of any animal in our food. And the second is to not eat food sacrificed to idols. Why? Because that would that would determine if you ate food sacrificed to idols, that means that you've got another God that you that you sacrifice to aside from the God that you know and love. You see what I'm saying? That's idolatry. That's why he told him to stay away from it. And you don't need the blood of any animal because a lot of people have known this for years in the occult, that if you drink the blood of any animal, you take on the soul of that animal. And um, some people will tell you this. There are people that, like in um, ancient Chinese culture, they drink the blood of, um, of uh, pythons and, and they, will, they get like supernaturally strong from this because this is what they're doing. So you got to be careful with the stuff that you get into, but you're supposed to have your meat cooked. Okay. Don't listen to these people talking about if you, um, it'll kill the, the, the steak. If you um, have it, if you have it well done, Hey, then kill the steak. 
Okay, that's better off. But to have blood in your food was not a thing that God told Israel to do. That came out of Babylon. That came out of Egypt. It came out of uh, Canaan, where the giants and those tribes were. They went into vampirism. They went into cannibalism. They went into drinking blood. But that's what God didn't want us to be a part of. So those are the only dietary laws we got to follow today. And I'm going to prove that in the New Testament. So we got a lot to cover here. So let me get in. So this is Exodus chapter 20. Let's look at verse one. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee, brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. No gods before the true God. A God is anything that you would make God. What is this commandment? Loving the Lord, thy God, with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay, look at verse four. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the earth above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Okay, so what is that about? Loving the Lord thy God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, not to have any other idols. Let's look at verse five. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. But I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.